I'm Bernetta Syme, and this is Pod 2112, the official podcast of the 2112 Group, where we talk with industry executives, thought leaders, and influencers about the trends shaping the industry and the world around us. So let's imagine a world in which there are 50 billion internet-enabled devices, such as home automation, autonomous vehicles, healthcare devices, to apparel, that communicate to one another to create a more integrated experience that allows humans to do things we we just couldn't before. But what does that growth path look like from now to the 50 billion mark? What will need to be done to get to that future successfully? Why fog computing is the clear route to this future state? And which industries will fail and which will excel as a result of a mass connected world? Today, we are gonna break down how the past has led to the current state and then into the future technology creation and consumption. Joining us to do so is Perry Lee, Principal Technologist at Microsoft and co-founder of Rumble. He's chairman of the IEEE Computer Society and was awarded IEEE's Outstanding Engineer for three years. He's also an author of four publications and most recently, uh, a work titled The Internet of Things for Architects. And, and fog computing, do you think that we are at an inflection point? I, I hear that a lot, that there's these inflection points. And I think that there are some inflection points in uh, data data generation. There's been um, a cadence of about every five years, there's a new set of technologies and a new use case and a new, um, new audience that are either creating data or, uh, or absorbing data. And uh, if you look at these, these periods, there, there was this time when um, streaming media became prevalent and going from MP3 for audio and MP4s for video. And then uh, there was this another inflection point in data where uh, you uh, have BitTorrent and, uh, and the ability to move data very quickly and in a compressed form. And, um, and now what, what's happening, what I'm seeing is um, that there's an inflection point in um, uh, uh, the number of objects that, are, that can be connected onto the internet. The, the problem with that is that um, that alone will drive industries and allow industries to um, return value and, and have you know, measurable KPIs that an organization can actually extract, extract value by connecting unconnectable objects. But what's, um, what's happening is that it's, it's very economical for a device to produce data. It's not very economical to, for a device to move data or transmit data. So there's, there's an inflection point, and then there's some fundamental challenges in the industry, and there's ways to solve them and ways not to solve them. And that's, that's what I've been studying. That's what I, I, I see in the industry right now. What are some examples of devices that you could list out there for our, our listeners? There's a lot of hype around IoT and edge and blockchains and AI and whatnot. And anything can be connected. I spent um, the early part of my career working at Hewlett Packard, connecting imaging devices. And for all intents and purposes, those are IoT devices at the edge. And they, they you know, you can apply the buzzwords back 30 years ago. Today, 
what what we in the industry enjoy is that Moore's law is now accessible to a lot of edge devices. You're not at the the limits of Moore's law. There's high performance computing and, and very specialized computing that are, are meeting the end of Moore's law, but the economics of building a device very inexpensively in scale is is attractive to the industry. So you can connect a lot of different things, but that's a problem. Just because something can be connected doesn't mean it should be connected or that it actually returns value. You have to start with you know a problem looking for a solution, not a solution looking for a problem. And that's why I think you need to temper the amount of IoT devices that are gonna be connected on the internet. Could you just give a, a short description on what Moore's Law is? So Moore's Law originally stated, it was by, from Gordon Moore of Intel, and it stated that you know every 18 months, the number of transistors, the density of electronics you can pack into a chip uh, doubles. There's other laws too that state, like Denard scaling, like that says that uh, uh, the amount of power that that type of device uses remains steady. But what we what, what we see in the industry now is that that's changed. Moore's law is kind of flattening out, so it takes 24 months to double chip density. And Denard scaling says that you know the power density is actually increasing. You can't make your your processor run faster. You can't make things go faster without it, the thing melting down. When that happens, um, that 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 is a, a that, that causes pause in the industry because the, for the last 50 years of technology has been building on Moore's law. What we see in the on the edge and IoT devices, however, is that there's room to grow. So new technologies like um, printable silicon and polymeric um, devices and flexible electronics, you're going to get down to um, sensors that are going to cost 20 cents, 10 cents, pennies on the dollar. Wherein they previously might have cost how much? A dollar, two dollars for a sensing device. That leads into a whole a whole set of new technologies and business cases and troubles because now you have a lot of devices that can inexpensively connect to something, maybe to the internet, maybe it's IoT, but what do you do with all that data? How do you move that data? Exactly. That's, the, that's the problem I see. And what are some other problems, right? Because we talk about, so right now is reading some numbers and it's about 11 billion devices, how we define that a little bit loosely, right? Are in use today, Gartner says, in the next handful of years, it's going to be about 20 billion. Um, and as we look at that exponential rate, what happens as you, you're talking about um, the the cost that lowers and there's going to be more enabled devices? What happens when we get to the 50 billion mark? And that will happen. I don't think it'll happen as quickly as the industry is seeing it. I've seen numbers upwards of you know, a trillion devices by 2030 and, and so on. But when, like I said earlier, just because you can connect something doesn't mean you, you should connect something. Um, so what's something you shouldn't connect? There's a myriad of them when you look at in the consumer space. There's a lot of gimmicks and toys and whatnot. And I, some of them are, are, are going to weed themselves out in the course of you know, a business cycle. A lot of devices you can connect, and you probably should, uh, not because your competitor or partner is doing it, because, but because you're actually trying to squeeze out the last 5 or 6% of value 
out of producing something. Like in the industrial IoT, um, you may want to connect a device or connect sensors or connect objects and look at, look at patterns of information that are coming from a, a production line. What a manufacturer wants to do is maximize that production. And that's, that's where uh, you're going to see a, a lot of value return to, to an organization. Some things like connected lighting is going to be a, a very prevalent industry. Um, and you have connected lights at home. But I'm talking about industrial and commercial and retail space lighting. Um, that would be a, a good example of uh, returning value to an organization because they could reduce energy needs, meet uh, uh, energy regulations within a municipality, or, um, or provide lighting as a service. So what are some industries you, you listed a few that are good connections? Um, what are some industries that will fit? fail as a result um, of this web of connectivity and, and everything speaking to one another? Well, there's, um, there's a lot of things that are in a hobbyist movement. You can, you can connect a lot of objects and, um, and you come to um, various conferences and, and trade shows and you see devices that allow you to prototype and get something up and running and um, a lot of hobbyists you know, are, are connecting devices and I think that that is an industry but that is um, and that, that that's a place to start but that's not a, a place to where where I would see a, a, a significant growth or prevalence in industrial IOT or in, in smart cities um, you're looking for um, a, a well-formed engineering solution that can be applied at scale and if you have a solution that can't be applied at scale in the IoT space, then then you have to rethink about your your, your business case and your in your technology as a whole. And when I mean at scale, it be it's great to uh, prototype a device. Let's say we wanted to connect uh, my eyeglasses here for some reason or a business card, um, and you might prototype something, but uh, you have to worry about all the domains of engineering to to make that work. And how do you produce it economically um, so you're not coming at a loss per part? And then you have to worry about, well, if I, if I deploy an IoT solution at scale, um, how is it going to work in different regions? What's my communication means? Um, in a certain area, I might be using 4G LTE. In another area, I might be using um, uh, LoRaWAN or some other, other communication medium. Um, What's a LoRaWAN? So LoRa is a, a long-range, um, a low-bandwidth uh, communication system. Um, you could think of it as um, uh, kind of a, uh, a wide-area network analogous to like 4G LTE, but okay. at a slower speed. Um, and it it has has its place in agriculture for some industrial and for some energy and oil sectors. And other areas might be more amenable to a cellular connection. So you have to think about, well, if I deploy a solution, how is that going to scale when I have to move my solution to Europe or Asia? How do you take all of these different components from um, the, the networks and the architectures and the different devices and the different forms of computing, how do you put it 
all together um, and actually get it to market and make it operational so that it's uh, consumable. And by being consumable, I also mean affordable, right? We were talking earlier about the price of um, different chips dropping from a dollar to 20 cents, right? So how do you see this all coming to market like that? The thing about developing an IoT or an edge fog type solution is that it's a cross-domain problem. Previously, if you had, um, if you were working in an enterprise, and you had a, um, a problem and it needed a solution, you could confine that solution to the enterprise, to your data center, to your IT group, to um, your solution engineers. When you have um, devices, things, people, um, vehicles, whatnot, scattered worldwide in very remote regions and um, in moving vehicles or in uh, or on people or on objects you don't have an IT group that's administering that you know who's looking in, at it all the time right. babysitting it yeah if you look at the oil fields in um, in Canada the sand fields in Canada it can take two days for a vehicle a maintenance vehicle to arrive there um, to service a uh, uh, you know, a, a faulty rig. So these are in, these don't have the convenience of a, a, an IT group in a data center down in the basement. <laughs> so um, you have to consider consider that when deploying it, that you're, you're working with operational and uh, informational um, technology. And uh, you're working with uh, not just your IT group, but your end customer could be your installer. For example, in the lighting business, your 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 primary um, interface is going to be a construction crew or a building management organization, and not necessarily the person turning on and off the lights. Do you think there's a role for systems integrators to, to play into this, or other service provider types? I think you need systems thought, solutions thought that can take all these domains and bring them together and understand what's my communication problem, what's my, uh, uh, what's my sensor and my embedded system at the edge, um, how do I move the data to the cloud and back, and what, what are the protocols to do that. And security people, you need, you need all these domains that can come together and build you a real IT solution that you would have enjoyed in the enterprise but now you have to do at the edge. You know, one question I wish we had more time um, is about standards, right? You know, you're, yeah. you're heavily active in IEEE, and I think about all the different disparate technologies, and to get them to work cooperatively with one another, is, is that a question of standards? Standards are better than better. There was an engineer in my previous life when I was just a young new sprout engineer that, that told that to me and uh, <laughs> instructed me and there, there's nothing better than standards. The IEEE and ACM are, are great in establishing and communicating those standards and the standards around Wi-Fi technology and, and fog communication like what we're here today with the IEEE Communication Society. Um, um, those are great. Those uh, allow an even playing field in, in an industry. So, okay, so they're great. What do they do? Um, they allow for uh, this transportation of data in, um, and it kind of corrals the rodeo. Um, um, so, 
I'm, I'm really enamored with um, some of the technologies going on with Wi-Fi, with um, 802.11p uh, and uh, ADAH and, and uh, other technologies that will kind of complement 5G as well. And those are those are the the things we need in the industry, both hardware and software. So I, I'm I am active in um, IEEE, the Communication Society, and ACM, and um, and uh, I, I think. I think the days of proprietary um, communication have kind of faded away. I, I think when interconnectivity. You say proprietary communication. So, um, uh, you know, the IoT actually started, um, uh, some people say it started um, back in the 1980s with Carnegie Mellon. They put a Coca Cola <laughs> machine on the ARPANET and you could get a information to say, see if there was a, a cold cola downstairs. Ready and waiting for yeah. you. And it was because there were lazy people and they did want to know at their desk. Yeah. The I, IoT really is about, you know, saving time. But it actually started back in the 1930s when um, pow the power grid was starting up. There was no internet, but they had these wires called pilot wires that indicated when a power grid was faulty or when it needed to crank up more power or not. So and, it sent out the service crew right. on a queue. Yeah, absolutely. And you didn't need a man sitting there 24-7, you know, with a phone, an old phone at that time, and, and crank up the power or shut off the dam or, or whatnot. So um, these these remote devices, they were built on these types of technologies that were standards. And the power grid is an example of, you know, ways you can control a system um, built on standards. And... Um, uh, it's uh, uh, from a software point of view, it it allows us to take all this information and funnel it in a way that we can extract more information from all this data, and uh, and that's that's what has made this industry grow. So I uh, I'm a proponent of it. And there certainly is going to be a lot of data. I uh, I learned what a zettabyte was. You know, and then there's projected uh, 800 uh, coming with the number of devices that are, are coming online. And um, I think that proposes a unique problem itself. Yeah, I, I'm actually giving a talk later today that kind of reflects on, on that point I made earlier, that it's very easy to generate data. It's very um, difficult physically and economically to move data. So the data motion problem is not aligned with the data generation problem. You have a faster computer, you have faster electronics, but you don't, the curves don't meet. And so every year there's been this 20% growth in the proliferation and generation of data okay. and this gap in the way to move that data. So every year there's more data produced than the ability to move it. So that's where edge and fog come in in the ability to handle that data. With efficiency and the scale? Source. Well, not yeah. necessarily the scale, but to do something with that data to where it's produced. And that, that's why so I So it gives you the actual insights that you right. are seeking? Well, you can filter data, you can denature it, you can scrub it, you can do something intelligent close to where the source is. And, um, and that's kind of a model that I'm enamored with. And there you have it. You found another reason of how fog is closer to the ground by listening to the evolving world of fog computing 
uh, with us here on Pod 2112. I want to thank our guest, Perry Lee of Microsoft and Rumble, and thank all of you for joining us on Pod 2112, a production of the 2112 Group, a business research and strategy firm. Join us again when we talk with industry executives, thought leaders, and influencers about the market and the world around us. Don't miss a single episode of Pod 2112. Subscribe today at Apple iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about the 2112 Group's services, email us at info at the2112group.com. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Thanks again. I'm Brynette Assign. Thank you.